Imagine you're married, you've got children, you've got your whole life ahead of you, and then you disappear. Welcome back to my podcast, Crime Rewind, where I'll be taking you through stories of murder, mystery, deceit, and confusion, and um, any other story I quite like the sound of. So our first story is actually um, quite a big one that happened in Scotland, but I thought I'd give it a bash because I've not actually heard that many people go through it and talk about it, um, and maybe I'm just listening to the wrong podcast, I don't know. But I thought, let's see it where it goes. Let's take a deep dive. Um, so let's get started. So this story is about Renee McCray. And Renee actually attended beauty school. And that's where she met her husband, Gordon. And they married in 1963. And she was 23 years old, the prime of her youth. Gordon at the time was working with his dad in the family business. This small construction company. He eventually took it over and what was once a small company had actually turned into this huge business. I mean, Gordon was a millionaire. And I actually read a report that said he had an annual turnover of 30 million. Can we just appreciate how far he's taken that company? <laughs> um, numbers I dream of. Um... So yeah, they had it all. They were married, they had this beautiful house, they were rich. And in 1968, it all got topped off when Renee actually gave birth to their first son, Gordon Jr. Classic name. So throughout this, you would think they'd had everything. It was literally like the Scottish version of the American dream. I don't know if they had a white picket fence, but you know, they had everything else. But you'd be surprised to hear that actually what people saw from the outside wasn't a true reflection of of their happy Scottish dream lifestyle. Actually, they were super unhappy. They were arguing, they were fighting. It just didn't seem to be going well for them. But anywho, five years later, and they had another child called Andrew. But the plot thickens. Andrew, well, Gordon, I'm getting confused with names already, Gordon, Renee's husband had no idea that Renee was actually having an affair and guess who? It was with Gordon's accountant, Bill McDowell. I mean, the accountant, really? And the plot thickens even more. Andrew, the kid she's just gave birth to, wasn't Gordon's kid. It was Bill. And Gordon had no idea. He had no idea of the affair. He had no idea the kid wasn't his. I really feel for this guy a little bit. I mean, that's, that's, that's proper, like, salt in the wounds kind of stuff. But, anywho. So, yeah, so Andrew wasn't Gordon's kid. She was having an affair. And in 1975, they ended up splitting up. They clearly were both unhappy for a really long time. And Gordon actually ended up leaving their family home and left the kids with Renee. I mean, he still supported her financially, which, hats off to him, was a really nice thing to do. And it's just so that she could look after the kids, make sure that they were brought up properly and, you know, they had everything they needed. So, totally respect that, actually. Only one person knew about the affair, 
and that was Renee's best friend, Valerie Steventon. And I mean, when I tell you girls tell, if girls tell each other everything, I really mean it. And she actually told her friend whilst pregnant with Andrew that she was having this affair and the kid wasn't his. But even though she had separated from Gordon, she still couldn't come clean. And I'm not sure if she was trying to protect the fact that she was having an affair and like protect Bill, maybe. Or if they were, I don't know, going through some dirty stuff and maybe it would, I don't know. I'm speculating, lots of speculation, but Bill actually had a family of his own, including a wife, and Bill had promised Renee that he was going to leave his wife, that he was going to go get another job, and they were going to move away, and I question how much of that's actually real. I mean, it seems like the typical rom-com movie plot, the guy tells the mistress he's going to leave his wife, and never does, and something bad happens, and Blah, 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 blah. He's trash talking. So, I know, I am a bit sceptical about about that. But, yeah, I don't know. But Renee was totally head over heels for this man. She believed every single word. She had actually started packing her things, getting ready for the big move. I mean, that says it all. So on Friday the 12th of November in 1976, Renee left her home in Crater Hall with both her sons. She dropped her elder, elder, elder son, Gordon, at her um, well ex-husband's house and turned south on the A9 in the direction of Perth to visit her sister in Kilmarnock. Neither McRae nor her son Andrew have ever been seen again. And would you be surprised if I told you she was never going to visit her sister? Well, if you weren't surprised, you've got spider senses. She was actually on her way for a romantic getaway with Bill and that her sister was just a lie she had told Gordon so he wouldn't find out. So I'm still not sure why he, why she's hiding this stuff. I mean, they're not even together, but anyway, it was a lie. So the morning she disappeared, she actually had coffee with Valerie and Renee had explained all the plans. So she had told her that Bill had asked her to bring Andrew so he'd get to know his son a bit more. They wanted like a nice little getaway and just have some bonding time, father and son. Weird situation to be doing this bonding time. I mean, they're two different families and it's like all secret stuff, but whatever, who am I to judge? Um, so it was Valerie that revealed all this information during the investigation to the police officers about the affair, about the plans, the child not being Gordon's, all of it. But a little side note for later on in the story, she actually later goes on to say that all of this was a big pack of lies and she just made it all up. Suspicious? Question mark. I think so. So, I mean, Gordon, he isn't stupid. I mean, he felt like Renee was lying to him, but never paid too much attention because honestly, why, why would he care? They were separated. It had been a year since they were, since they separated. And he actually had totally moved on and was living with someone else. And, oh my God, you'll never guess who he moved in with. And his secretary, it's always a secretary. A woman out there gotta be watching. But, um, so Renee leaves around 5pm and she's in her BMW, she's on her way, she's turned south onto the A9, the A9's like this huge, really long, like, 
motorway. And since then, they have never been seen again. At 8pm, 12 miles away, a train driver spotted McRae's burning BMW in an isolated lay-by. So this is three hours after she left and she only travelled 12 miles. 12 miles, according to Google Maps, is a half an hour drive. So, I mean, she was away for three hours, but she only managed, when they found her car, it was only a 30 minute drive away. So there's like two and a half hours there, which are totally unaccounted for. And even to this day, police still have no idea where she was, who she was with. They can't find a single trace of her anywhere, which, I don't know, I just find that really like surprising or not believable. I don't know. It just seems very odd that for two and a half hours you can't find a single shred of that person anywhere. But when the police reached the vehicle, it was charred and empty. There was only one thing in it, and that was a rug stained with blood that actually matched McRae's blood type. So they do a search of the vehicle. They find out who it's owned by. It's actually owned by Gordon, her ex-husband. And Gordon tells him that she was on her way to Kilmarnock to see her sister. She has no idea she is. He has no idea where she is. Um, so they call her sister, Morag. Let's just appreciate that name, Morag. You don't hear many Morags around anymore. But she says, nope, they're not here. Morag actually was quite concerned by this because... We know Renee used her as an excuse to cover for her romantic weekend away, but I don't actually know if she ever told Morag that. Be like, just call her up on the phone, be, hey sis, don't mind if I just um, use you as a cheeky alibi. So yeah, I don't know, I'm just speculating. I would have thought she did, but maybe she didn't. And, and Morag knew that she was having an affair, but she had no idea who it was. And I don't know if she knew that, that they had a family I don't know uh, like the extent of what she knew. But so she goes to call Valerie, who says that, yeah, she's fine. We'll be back on Monday. And at first I thought, like, did you not get the memo? Her car is on fire. It is blazing with flames. And you are telling me that she's fine and she'll be back on Monday. Hmm. Suspicious. Stupid? Clueless, maybe? Don't know. But later in my search, um, apparently she thought it was just vandals. But even if you thought that it was just vandals just setting fire to a car, would you not, like, think, okay, okay, vandals have, you know, stole her car, set on fire, whatever. But where is my friend? And where is her child? But that, but, but, but. I don't know, but I don't know. Maybe back in the day, it's not like they can just ring a mobile. So, I mean, I can under I can understand to an extent, but still, if my friend's car was in flames, I would not be like, yeah, she'll be fine. I'd be a bit worried, just just a tad. So Monday comes around. There's no Renee. So Valerie is like, yeah, something something's definitely wrong, and she actually calls Bill's house. And a man answers the phone, who we, presumably, it's Bill. And this just triggers something like in the back of her head. And she's like, well, if Bill is back, where is Renee? And 
coinciding with this little trigger that she's had was also like another thing and that was Renee didn't pick up Gordon her other child from school Monday afternoon and all the reports I read Renee was a huge huge like family woman like she adored her kids she she loved them she she was like the best mother that everyone's ever seen I mean she loved her kids I mean I, I give her that so this was really odd that she didn't turn up to go and pick him up from school. So, and I'm not sure who actually reported this onto the police or if they were still investigating over the weekend, just waiting for Monday to see if she would show. But volunteers were gathered to search for her. I mean, it all happened. Areas were searched. Homes were searched. They had helicopters with heat sensors and divers searched lakes. It was proper, like, Mission Impossible stuff. And in the background, there were even other works going on, trying to piece Renee's afternoon on the day her car was found. And even to this day, they just, they don't have the complete information. Those three hours that I spoke about earlier, no idea, they can't find a trace, no evidence of where she might have been. And I'm not sure if that's, I don't know if that's the key to finding her, is where she was in those few hours before her car got set alight, you know? Was she with Bill? Was she... Did, did something else happen? Did she... I don't know. So there was actually a witness from a fellow driver on the A9 that said they saw a man with what looked like at the time dragging a dead sheep. Hmm, very odd. Oh yeah, I'm just driving down the A9 and I see this man. He's just yeah, dragging a dead sheep along the side of the road. Just casual. I don't know what people's impressions of Scotland are, but we're not just dragging, you know, sheep around. We're, we're not that loopy. I mean, we're slightly loopy. Not that loopy. But what makes it this kind of odd and relevant was that Renee was actually wearing a sheepskin coat on the day she disappeared. And I'm just thinking, was it her? Was she the dead sheep? A bit insulting if she wasn't, and people like totally mistook her for a dead sheep. But not the time. There was also another witness came forward and said that they saw a man with a pushchair near Dalmagari Quarry. I, I can never say that. I'm Scottish and I still can't say it properly. Dalmagari. Dalmagari? Dalmagari Quarry. That's what we'll call it. So I mentioned before that it was Valerie that revealed everything about the affair with Bill and she had told them everything, the plans, the extent of the affair and that Angie was actually Bill's child. The lead senior officers actually admitted that this case was, and I quote, mired in a sea of deceit and untruthfulness from its start. Very dramatic. It was extremely difficult looking at Valerie's... Valerie's life? Renee's life, because of all the lies. I mean, Gordon what goes on to fire Bill from the company completely outraged because Bill was a friend of his and not only was he cheating by sleeping with his wife but during the time that Renee and Andrew had been missing he's been holding on to this crucial information like not at one point in time he thought maybe I should tell the police that I was sleeping with her maybe maybe I should just mention that we were together a few times I don't know I don't know maybe if he just didn't want to like put the limelight on him or 
or if he's really done something and he was trying to like cover up all all avenues hmm hmm but anywho so he gets fired and to be fair if I had caught my husband sleeping with like a woman that I worked with I would do more than just fire her so I mean there's a little bit of respect for this Gordon fellow because I mean he could have done a lot worse he's definitely got the money to do a lot worse but I mean police sniffing around maybe not the best idea but Bill actually goes on to deny that he was ever going to leave his wife. He actually says that he's pretty tired of the affair, had plans to break it off, which leads me to what Valerie told the police, that Renee told her that he was leaving his wife and they were moving together. I mean, this woman had her house packed. I mean, is it because she was moving with Bill? Was she only under the impression she was? Or was it something totally different that we have, like, no idea of. Maybe she was planning on just moving home. Maybe she wanted to run away. I mean, I highly doubt those scenarios, but they are possible. So Bill's still talking, and honestly, you're gonna love this. Apparently, he and Renee had a special way of communicating with each other. So when they phoned, they would let it ring for a certain number of rings before hanging up, and this was how they planned their meetups, which I'm, I'm actually questioning how that works. I mean, does she call and let it ring for like three rings and hang up and then phone back so he knows it's her? Or does he phone her back? I'm not, I'm, how do you get the message through with just a few rings? I don't know, maybe I'm just not got that sneaky mindset yet. But <laughs> kind of questioning that, I mean, okay. Um... But he said that he still got these calls two or three times during the time that she had disappeared. So, I just can't get my head around it. If she would call him and let it ring, and then call back, or he would call her, why didn't he call her back? If he was still getting these calls, and he knew that police were looking for her, and that her house, was, her, house her car was set ablaze, why would he not answer the phone? Why would he not tell the police? What? What? What are you hiding, Bill? Why are you being a sneaky devil? So, all, all my, my tingly senses, my tingly, my tingly senses are tingling. And I'm not liking this Bill fella, I have to say. So, this one afternoon, he actually goes to the police station in Inverness to give a statement voluntarily. And, you know, he's just, he's, he's walked into the police station, he's like, just talking to the police officer, I want to give a statement, just sitting in the waiting room, twiddling my thumbs... And guess who walks in? His wife, Rosemary. And Rosemary is raging. And she grabs him and she drags him out of the police office. And she screams at the police officer, Leave my husband alone! I mean, that's not suspicious. I have no idea. And he never came back to give that to give, to give that a statement. He, I just can't speak today. Honestly, I just, I just can't speak properly. But he never came back to give that statement. He never contacted the police again. We have no idea what he was planning to say or admit or confess. No idea. And I'm surprised that his wife, because he, she stuck by him. I mean, he had an affair. He had another kid. I mean, there was this big investigation undergoing and she stuck by him like, like the gluiest glue you've ever touched. I mean, she was stuck. So I, I don't know how to feel about that, if that's like a, 
goals or questioning maybe they maybe they killed her together maybe they tag teamed it i don't know hmm so he never came back and they eventually ended up leaving the area and just moving all the way to london um so that's pretty far to, to get away from some limelight so the, the case is going cold there's no leads there's no evidence gordon actually puts up a reward for any information that turns up but Nothing, nobody calls in, and they get no more leads. However, the police are still searching in the background, and after eight months, there was a breakthrough. While excavating Dalmagari Quarry, <laughs> he was hit by a stench after removing a layer of topsoil. And he was convinced that it was like the sign of corpses. It smelled so, so bad. So he continued digging, but Get this, and this made me fume. He was told by a superior officer to stop as the bulldozer they were using had to go back to the contractors because they had no more funds. And after that, nothing. They leave it alone. I mean, can, I just can't, I just can't. He smells a stench. He thinks, I... That smells pretty bad. It smells like rotting corpse. But, oh, but the digger's going back. I don't have any money. I'm just going to leave it here. What? Is there no volunteers? Can you not get shovels? Can you not use your hands? What's wrong with you? Imagine how close they could have been to finding something if they just kept digging. If they'd just done something. How could they even sleep at night knowing that there was that smell of rotting corpse and they were just in their beds or having their dinner? Or gonna wait for a wee swim, something like that. How? Oh, that really infuriated me. If you can't already tell already. <laughs> but um, so a few other things to point out before we move on. I told you that divers were searching into a nearby quarry, and that quarry was in here. I can't pronounce it. Bloody can't pronounce it. Lenach, Lenach. <laughs> Let's go with that. And they filmed what appears to be a head in a plastic bag. Now, this quarry had been used as a dumping ground well before the disappearances, so I wouldn't be too surprised if I saw something a bit dodgy lurking in the water. But, I mean, you saw a head in a plastic... You think it's a head in a plastic bag? I, I think I'd be taking that a wee bit serious. But apparently the divers didn't do a brilliant job, and someone there at the time said that they had put a waterproof camera into a bag to video the floor and then left after collecting only two bags. So, incompetence or just didn't care, I don't know. But I feel like there's been a lot of instances in this case already where they could have done more and they just didn't. I don't know, mate, I don't know. Why? <sighs> Okay, well, anyway. So in 1998, a bank card written Mrs R McCree was found by a digger um, on a house near where Gordon used to stay. Um, but it was then discovered that it belonged to another Mrs R McCree. I mean, one, how unfortunate. And two, what a coincidence. Didn't realise, you know, I mean, I know we all have very common last names here in Scotland, but that's a bit too close for comfort 
Um, and I mean, this case was so cold. It was colder than ice. It was colder than, than Alaska. That's how cold this case was. And I mean, two years later, there was a 2004 Grampian television documentary called Unsolved, um, which just went through the case and it screened throughout Scotland and it totally renewed interest in the case and the investigation was reopened. And in 2004, the chief constable, uh, Ian Latimer, Latimer, launched a cold case review which led to £122,000 being spent on the excavation of Dalmagari Quarry um, in August. So if you remember Dalmagari Quarry, that's the one where they smelt the rotten corpses. Corpses? I just can't speak in this episode. I just can't. That was where they found the rotting corpses. But he just left because the digger was no longer theirs to dig with. So, and this was years and years and years ago. And with that £122,000, when they excavated Dalmagori Quarry, over the course of three weeks, 20,000 tonnes of earth from the quarry had been excavated. And, get this, 2,000 trees were removed. 2,000 Trees! Can we just take a moment of silence for those trees? Imagine if they had done this years and years ago when they smelt the corpses, not only could they have possibly found bodies, but they would have saved the lives of 2,000 trees. I am honestly no tree hugger, but when I, you gotta appreciate the trees, they give us oxygen. And they just killed 2,000 trees, I just can't believe that. And you wanna know what they found with their 122 thousand pounds and the killing of two thousand trees they found two crisp packets some men's clothing and rabbit bones can you just get two crisp packets men's clothing and rabbit bones how gutting is that imagine the people thinking this is what my money was spent on crisp packets but at least they had done it at least we know we can rule that off Maybe we've been better done it earlier, but that's just me. In recent years, um, there's been speculation that the bodies have actually been buried under the A9. And I mean, at first that's going to sound a bit alarming. Like, how could it be buried under the A9, which is covered in cars, at, like, all the time? But at that same time that they disappeared, there was actually this like major programme upgrading the road. Um, so it is possible. An 80-year-old farmer with supposed, I don't know if it's divining or divining skills, but he took those, you know those little silver rods things, and when, when you get near something, they, they start to shake, and like they point in the direction you have to go. Well, he had those. Um, and he went to, at first he went to Dalmagori and declared the bodies to be under a track, 12 feet down, but we know that's not the case because we excavated it and they're not there. Only two crisp packets. Um, so he actually, he now thinks the bodies are under the A9. And he's actually, <laughs> he's actually went to the section of road with these, with these wee rods as they're, they're, they're buzzing around, telling them which spot of the road it is. And he's actually just took his can of like yellow spray paint and actually sprayed a circle on the area that you know he think marks the spot that's where they are he's got a picture of himself like next to this 
yellow spot, like like posing for like, the Daily Mail, um, which I honestly I shouldn't laugh because if 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 they are down there, I don't think they are. But if they are, I mean that's pretty shocking of me. But it's still quite a funny picture. Um, <laughs> oh, lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, but actually, um, a spokeswoman for Northern Constabulary said that after studying aerial photos taken by the Royal Air Force during the construction of the A9, they were like completely satisfied that the bodies were not buried under the road. There was there was no signals, there was no heat waves, there was no whatever they're looking for, it wasn't there. So this case is super cold again, back to being cold as ice. 2016, there's a police report, and they actually report to the prosecutors that they have a suspect. Dun 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 dun! But the prosecution decide that there's just not enough evidence to bring charges to take this to court, and the suspect has never been named publicly. So I, but I don't know a hundred percent. I am now speculating, but my my tingly senses. I mean, who else could they be suspecting? It has to be Bill. It has to be Bill. She had an affair with him. He was the father of his second kid. I mean, I mean, and if you, sorry, if you can hear that banging in the background, my dog, my dog is scratching his butt and his leg is whacking off the wall. <laughs> okay, back to the story. Um, yeah, I don't, we don't know who it was. We've never been told, but I'm totally thinking it's Bill. I mean, it has to be. There's literally nobody else, unless they're being really top secret, hush hush, and there's stuff happening that has never been spoke of. Possibility. But, so, two years after that, we're in October 2018, and it was reported that Lennox Quarry, near Culloden Battlefield, the one that they had originally searched and saw the, the head in the plastic bag and didn't actually really care that much, um, they were going to search that quarry. And it got searched using this remote-controlled vehicle. Pretty nifty, actually. You don't even need to get your feet wet. You just shove the robot in. But um, alongside this happening, um, an, a new picture of Andrew was released to the public and also a picture of the pram that he was in. And I just can't believe... That 2018, I mean, they went missing. What is that? My math's really bad. 30 years ago? 40 years ago? And they've only just released another picture now. And a picture of the pram now. Why? Why wait that long? Why? Nobody... I mean, I'm trying to think of what I had for dinner last week. And I can't even remember. So am I going to remember seeing a pram 40 years ago? Probably not. Sorry to say that. But... So I don't understand why I didn't do that earlier, but so we're now at the start of this year, 2019, and Police Scotland described a, and I quote, significant development in the case. Officers are now beginning to empty the water from, from Lennox Quarry um, to carry out a forensic search. So I, I don't know if, I don't know if when they, when they did the remote control search, they had found something and they thought, oh, let's just empty all the water and check just in case. I mean, that's what I would, that's what I'm getting from this story. But so that's what they do. Um, and currently there's, even right now, I mean, this is what, 
start of August, so that was May, June, July, three months ago they announced that. So they've actually been getting rid of all the water, um, trying to find the remains of Renee and Andrew if they're within the quarry and try and gather um, vital evidence. Um, the quarry had actually previously been too dangerous to search using only divers, which is why the decision was made to pump the water out completely um, and just trying to find and gather evidence from four decades. Um, it's understood that they began scoping the area and studying the layout around October 2018, so they must have had this in their mind for a while and it's just only coming to us now. And that's a thing with like police cases, you know, you never actually know everything and if you think you do, there's always something that you don't. Like, they would never give us everything because if they did, they probably like more people would get away with stuff if we all knew everything that they, they, they knew. So I know I, ta I I get that I do, um, but oh my God, where was I? Yeah. So in like in relation to this, um, emptying the the quarry, people actually went and found Bill in London, and the the press went to go and see if they can get a statement, and <laughs> and he goes, he told them to <laughs> quote just buzz off. <laughs> Imagine just like, like an eight year old man just standing at his front door with like his stick just buzz off. <laughs> just, <laughs> oh, I just watched too many cartoons. Uh, but yeah, the police are also looking into like other areas. Um, for an example, there was this anonymous letter found in police files from 1982, and the police are begging the person that wrote it to come forward. And I have no idea why this is just being like brought up recently, like it was from 1982. Like, come on. But the informant had claimed that in a, uh, that that I was in a quarry the night Renee disappeared and and heard something potentially suspicious, and like he had heard. He'd heard something and saw someone. Um, I don't know if it was just like someone wanting attention or if it was literally like a real, a real letter, like a, a viable potential witness. Um, but I'm also thinking that was 82 and we're now 2019. Is that person even still alive? Not to be harsh, but yeah. They're also probing into two cars um, who were seen in the lay-by around the same time as Renee's car. So one is assumed to be Renee's car before it was, you know, totally vandalised and set on fire. And the other um, was assumed to belong to the killer who then drove off. And according to the detective, there were um, 1,500 witnesses mentioned in the case dossier and they're planning on re-interviewing around 350 of them. Um, and I've recently, of a few days ago, they had actually found in the quarry that they had drained some wheels belonging to a pram that matched the one that Renee had for Andrew. So there's nothing confirmed yet, but that's something that's ongoing. And they also found um, quite a lot of bones. There's speculation as to whether they're animal bones or if they're human, it's still not been decided yet. But again, it's evidence they're looking at in the background. And let me just, before I finish this let me just give you a side note on bill 
So at four different companies he has worked at, financial records were set on fire covering dodgy finances. There were fires. Four different companies covering up dodgy finances. I mean, I mean, coincidence that Bill was at all four of these com- all the four of these companies. He was actually charged in 1990 for dishonesty and forgery for sums totaling 240 grand, which back in the day, 240 grand was, was a lot of money. I mean, I mean, it's still a lot of money now, but it was worth a lot more back then. This this case is one of the most intensive searches ever mounted in Scotland, and we police have. F- fail to find a single trace of them. It was concluded that they had been murdered, that the murderer had made careful plans and had disposed of the bodies without leaving a single clue. Witnesses on the A9 reported seeing a man dragging something they thought was a dead sheep not far from the car. Was that her? While others saw a man with a pushchair near the quarry. Was that the kid? Was it really just a sheep? McCray was reported to have been wearing a sheepskin coat when she disappeared. McDowell admitted their affair but has not spoken about the case again, only to accept, only to, only accept, except only to deny <laughs> involvement. I just can't speak. And it, you know, it's still ongoing. They're still looking at stuff. It's still open. It's still very much active. I don't, I don't know how much more they can do after it's been forty years. But technology is always changing. Stuff is always developing, and I can only just hope that you know the the family find some answer someday. My speculation, my bets on Bill. Um. But, you know, nobody actually knows for sure, so it really could be anything. Stay open-minded. I I hope this was a good episode. And I will see you in the next one. Cheers. Cheers.